Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I just wanted to make sure you were listening to podcasts on Spotify. Here's how you do it. First, search for your favorite podcast on Spotify's app. They have a library of over 750,000 pods at this point. So let's say you're searching for the Rewatchables or the Dave Chang Show or the Ringer NBA Show. Once you find them, click on the follow button. That's how you subscribe. Then click on those letters near the top of the app that say podcasts. All the pods you're following will pop up separated by episodes, downloads, and shows. Wait, it gets better. On Spotify, you can adjust the speed of the pods to seven different speeds. 0.5 times is the slowest. I actually sound drunk at 0.5. You can do 0.8 times, 1.2 times, which is my favorite. Everyone sounds like they just had a good cup of coffee. And then there's 1.5 times, two times. And if you're completely insane, three times. Anyway, Spotify's app connects directly to many of the best automobiles in the world. It even has a CarPlay feature. That's pretty cool. Best of all, it's free. Download Spotify on any device and you're good to go. Should you be embarrassed that you're not listening to podcasts on Spotify? Well, I don't want to app shame you, but the answer, unfortunately, is yes. Make the move. Listen to podcasts on Spotify. Back to yours. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Long. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Gufaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to the Masked Man Show. Masked Man Show. Masked Man Show. Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I am your host, David Shoemaker, and it is the day after WrestleMania. Also, two days after WrestleMania, depending on how you want to count. It's Monday, and I am joined here on the mask line by none other than the Ringer's very own Jason Gallagher. Uh, wait, what's your what's your title, Jason? Um, I believe it's Director of Video Strategy or Video Strategy Lead. There we go. There we go. It's a pleasure to have you. If for, for all of the all of you listening who who don't know, Jason is the backstage creative mind the vince mcmahon if you will behind such great things as uh, nba desktop um nfl slow news day uh, all, all of the zany wacky stuff oh oh ice to ice all of our uh, um our uh, song parodies or our song parody vertical that's correct. Uh, that's correct yeah so anyway jason is is absolutely one of the most brilliant people at the ringer and has been trying to get on the show to talk about the edge leader um uh fest what was it called the uh the, I don't know what it was called because they just had sex there was a in name a bed. For it. That's all I got. Yes, the on, the on air uh, sex capade. Um, he's been trying to find a way on to talk to talk about it forever, and and we're gonna do that at some point. But imagine my utter joy when he texted me uh, from the uh, you know the confines of quarantine, where he was watching Saturday night's WrestleMania in real time, uh, and over the moon about the Boneyard match, as I think we all were. So we're going to go deep with his video expertise talking about the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match. But first of all, Jason, just set the stage for us. Uh, you watching? Are you watching with your whole family? Just your son? Like, what's what's the what's what's the setup here? Watching WrestleMania on Saturday and Sunday? I'm kind of I'm I'm sitting in sort of a uh, the corner of our living room with the laptop just facing me, and I've got it on mute um, because well, because as I'm watching, just sort of the wrestling take place and without any audience there it's just it's just like a little awkward uh, to to be yes. around your family like they, it's it's it sort of sounded like i might have been just like listening to porn or something like it, it was just like people being like ah <laughs> and it was just <laughs> it was just like so strange so i had it on mute um both Saturday and then Sunday, I let my son, who is six years old, watch one match with me, which happened to, he just happened to sort of sit next to me and was like, can I watch this? I was like, sure. And it was the last man standing one, which would, which I might've been a bad father for because oh, it ended man. so brutally. And it was just like, uh, yeah. But that, that otherwise I watched it alone. The, the last man standing match was, was really brutal. 
And um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a know, bad father. I get it. No, no, no. It's listen, listen. I mean, I was my baby son did not get to watch any of WrestleMania um, because he was asleep. But I would have had him up through every every gory bit of it if I could have. Um, my and by the way, my 11 year old watched every second of it with me and was totally wrapped. We'll talk to him a little bit later, I think. But the Last Man Standing match was was pretty epic, and for given the constraints, and I guess given how sort of light a lot of the in-ring stuff felt. It was pretty impressive how how far in the other direction they were able to go with it. But I think there's just something really, you and I can probably sympathize with this more than some of the people listening, but to see two like 40-ish dudes just like absolutely physically exhausted is, uh, is, is relatable, right? <laughs> I mean, just to see two guys like sweating profusely and trying to climb things just seemed just like it, it was, it was, it was painful to watch. It really was. Uh, I, I'm really just stunned by by Edge's physique. I was distracted by that half of the time. But then also yeah. it's just it was it was just exhausting. Like my 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 son, who has never watched wrestling in his life, watching this for the first time and just being he said he kept going, Oh my. Like as he was like probably like a hundred <laughs> times he did that and was just like, these guys are really hurt. And he was just like genuinely concerned for them at a certain point, which I thought was mm-hmm. uh I thought it was pretty, pretty funny. So before we get to the two big, you know, weird matches, mm-hmm. pre-tapes, I guess it was all pre-taped. Did you have any like big takeaways from the, from WrestleMania overall? Not really. I, well, I mean, yes, actually. I've, I've, and, but it has to do with those two matches. It has to sort of do with this, like, I definitely thought that WrestleMania taking place and continuing to, to happen was, uh, my takeaway was like, oh, you know, good. I'm glad they're entertaining people. They're going to create like a very baseline product and that will be nice. Uh, but I think with the both the Boneyard and the Funhouse match, they re- they they really went for it in a way that was kind of weirdly inspiring <laughs> as a as a person who creates content. It was just sort of like, oh man, they just really went for it and reached for the stars and tried to make this sort of an unforgettable WrestleMania as they do with every other WrestleMania. And I was, as a consumer of it, I was very appreciative of the Well, good. Well, I want to go back to something you said a a minute ago when you're talking about how awkward it was to watch Mm -hmm. uh, with your family in the room. I can definitely sympathize with that. Thankfully, my whole family was watching it with me, um, except for the sleeping one. And um, so I, I I wasn't in that exact same situation. Um, but my wife was commenting on, and we, we were the weather, the way the noise made in the ring filled the room or filled the arena or filled our TV screen was an ongoing topic of conversation. Correct. And you did a good job of describing it. I, in the UK, um, wrestlers are sort of derisively called grunt and groaners because it, the, the, the idea being that like most of their job was just making noises to sell what's going yeah, on. Like tennis players. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but we're used to that level, that volume level with tennis. You know, I wrote a little piece uh, for the Ringer that should be up right now. But basically, my I thought that the that the format favored um, favored multi party matches because it took not just not the tag matches so much as like the the three man ladder match, um, even the the five woman uh, championship match because the more people were actively involved at the at any given moment, it gave it more opportunity to sort of fill the soundscape. Um, and it also did, I mean, also, the, and, but certainly what was most favored by the whole uh, spectacle <laughs> or lack thereof, because it was awkward. I thought it was awkward in any number of ways. I said uh, the whole first like hour I was watching, I, we, we were just like, it feels like we accidentally walked into dress rehearsal for WrestleMania. Like I shouldn't be here right now watching Correct. this. But the stuff that was really, that did the, the best stuff of all was like you said, the Firefly Funhouse and Saturday night's boneyard match. So let's talk about Saturdays. Okay. The boneyard match was between AJ Styles and The Undertaker. It was just a kind of another way of, of doing a buried alive match. But uh, so in some sense we we had a frame of reference for what this was going to be, mm-hmm. but I don't think anybody could have guessed. We were, we any anybody would have predicted what we actually got. No. I mean, I, no. I, I I even in the promos I was just sort of like 
the last few Undertaker matches I've I've watched, you know, I, I in some ways feel bad for him like that, you know, like and they've played on that with the storyline and all this stuff that he's this old man only doing it for his wife, which I love the WWE so much. But as a as a, a in packaged production, I was blown away, like immediate immediately rewatched it as soon as as soon as it was over type thing um and i couldn't believe it and i tried to explain it to my or i was that was another one where i was watching on sort of on my on our my chair and my wife was on the couch and she was just looking at me like what is happening over there i thought <laughs> i was just like the most incredible thing in the world is happening right now um i i really i don't know i was just blown away by the by the sort of production that went into it and you know particularly the the camera move i know that i'm gonna start getting like really nerdy but like the camera move no i want you to get nerdy this is great the camera movements the lighting the sort of like you know with 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 these matches and a little bit with the last man standing match without an audience um or anything like that to distract you the sort of acting becomes the the thing that's at the forefront you know and we're not talking about daniel day lewis here with any of these guys but but i i really appreciated just how much they went for it um Mm -hmm. on on every on every level from the production to the sort of pyrotechnics to the acting itself from both of the wrestlers like i was just absolutely blown away i was floored can I say can I say something about Daniel Day Lewis? Yeah, <laughs> this is not going to be a hottest take moment, but um, Daniel Day Lewis stands alone amongst his peers in the acting world. But the thing that people always talk about when they talk about Daniel Day Lewis is his like commitment to the character. That like from the moment he gets on set, he never breaks character the entire time. Yeah. And 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 everyone's just like, holy shit, this is the most amazing thing ever. I can't believe any human being could do that. You know, Jim Carrey gets some of that too. This, this is called kayfabe. Like this is the this is literally the life that professional wrestlers led up until like 2001. And the Undertaker lived most of his life through that more so than most because he had to even out there in public like affect some semblance of a like zombie character. Right. Right. I mean, he could not. He couldn't even smile and take pictures with kids. You know, he was he was a character the entire like his entire life. Mm-hmm. And I think it, what's really interesting to me is, and this is separate from the match, but right after Sunday night, they started they put they they aired like a thirty minute teaser for this Undertaker documentary they've been working on. That's sort of the end of his career. Yeah. And the Undertaker out of character is more shocking than anyone in character I've ever seen in my life because we've seen him because he's only been in character for his entire career. I mean, we've, we've almost never had any access to him just like doing an interview or like, you know, just being at any, in any way, not the undertaker. Now it's interesting because the boneyard match was very like, like, uh, you know, they played with a lot of these, a lot of that reality, right? They, they talked about him being an old man. They referenced his wife uh, they called each other by their real names mm-hmm. uh, to try to like evoke some of that, some of that. But like, I thought what was most real about it was just watching the un- and this is credit to the camera work and everything else. But just watching the Undertaker walk up, you could tell there was like an old man hitching his step. But you could also tell how much he weighed in a way that you never really can in the wrestling ring. You could tell that he was like there was no question when the Undertaker started walking towards AJ Styles, which the more dangerous person was right. right you could just you could just feel the how power how, how just cruel a 60 year old undertaker could be yeah right i mean he would just destroy anybody you knew yes so good t- talk a little bit you talked you talked a little bit about the nerding out part but like we wrestling fans have seen these cutaway you know these like you know these outside of the wrestling ring film especially film segments promo segments the undertaker's been in a million different graveyards or with a million different coffins or whatever what made this one stand out why did this feel so real uh and so so kind of urgent um i mean for me like you said we've we've seen settings like this before i think uh the sort of commitment to go for it all and make it I'm going to sound like really silly, maybe. I don't know. But uh, directorially, like wh- whoever was behind the camera and uh, picking the shots and the edit and things like that was 
did a job that was sort of shocking for for what I expect out of this type of product. You know what I mean? Like it's it's in it, and it's probably just because I I've never seen something look so nice uh, uh on the WWE you know stage and uh-huh and just sort of like I said just sort of seeing these sort of you know tr- they, they had like some tracking shots they had some some like real like you know, at certain times that were the the camera was like a little shaky and would zoom in and then it would just like do this turn and you know, whip pan around and I was just like I couldn't believe the directing that was actually taking place, you know? And it, and I kept thinking to myself as a person who makes things on video, how long this must have taken. I, I imagine it was like an overnight thing. The, the the what little is leaked out about it, yeah. And forgive me, I have no no recollection of the source of this. Probably Meltzer, but it said that the entire thing was done with just the two primaries, and then Triple H and uh, Michael P. S. Hayes, mm-hmm. uh, formerly of the Fabulous Freebirds, uh, who's one of Triple H's lieutenants, and then um, or one of the storyline guys, and then um, and then a local film crew, which doesn't really say much except to say that like this was not the usual WWE machine, at least on the, the kind of the technical side. Right. Um, so I think that that probably explains some of it. I mean, it's, it, there's definitely, there was definitely enough of a different feel, but I also think that given the, what they were working with, you know, it, it was, it, they clearly like ma- were making an effort to make this feel really special and really different. Yeah. And, re- and inc- incredibly cinematic. And, and when, when you, if you were to tell me there is a, a completely fully produced WWE match. Uh, you know, my expectations uh, not to, I keep dropping porn on this podcast, but it, I would have the, but the expectations of like a sort of a porn level <laughs> type production. And sure. to have this sort of like, even when, you know, the sort of demonic figures, I don't know if they have a, a specific name appeared and how they were backlit and the way that the camera featured them you know, with this wide shot and then sort of a side medium tight shot. Like I was just like the thought that went into this, the, the, there was an actual shot list to make sure that they got every angle. And it was just so cool. Like I, I, I couldn't believe that they did it. They went for it the way that they did. And I keep kind of coming back to that. Um, and I'm like, I'm glad that they're doing that. And I hope that they do it a lot more in the future. I guess my question is this. And I and I wondered about this for a brief second in the piece that I wrote, but I moved on. Um, a lot of times, segments like this fall flat. Um, I don't think it's. I think it's. I think it's safe to say that we've never seen a segment as good as well as good as either of these. Depend. I mean, you can you can rate them in different ways, but as well produced as either the Funhouse match or the Boneyard match, we haven't seen anything like that. But I guess my question is, if they're being aired. At a regular on a regular pay per view show, like if they had aired that Boneyard match mm-hmm. at Raymond James Stadium, if they had actually had it there, yeah, then you would have had ninety thousand people who were just sort of like, like confused and not and and, and they don't have a really good view of what's going on because it's like you know they they can't even like see the screen really well. Yeah, that is really interesting. especially yeah. So I wonder if like and then and then when they boo or when they are. Un- unimpressed that affects the way you watch it at home i think one of like the real one of the most joyous parts of that of both of those matches was that there wasn't the crowd noise kind of piped in underneath right there wasn't the real-time reaction from the crowd you were left to actually address it yourself yeah my 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 i would imagine that 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 if they were to do these moving forward with crowds they would they would turn off the crowd noise um that that's what mm-hmm. I would imagine they'd have to do. But you're right, there is a challenge there. Um I used to I used to make video for um the pistons like in arena stuff. And the biggest challenge was that you could never hear any of the dialogue, no matter you know, it, it or it was harder to hear the dialogue. So like we would drop it was more on the comedic side of things, but we would drop these jokes and you couldn't really hear anything. Um or the I know for a fact you would sit in the this, the stands and not really be able to experience it the way that, you know, as the creator would have probably at hoped. So I'll, I'll be, like you said, I'll be super interested in it, but I, th- I think that they the, the reaction was so good that 
there's no way they don't do it moving forward. Well, let's talk about the Funhouse match because it was totally different. Hell I mean, yeah. you couldn't have had a more different match than, I mean, as, as far as the, you know, something in, outside of the ring, outside of the arena goes. Um, I guess the only criticism, and, and certainly this criticism existed in my own, on my own couch, mm-hmm. was that it all kind of felt like the lead up to a match and then the match never really happened, right? Like, like I guess even as clearly different and original and interesting as this thing was, and every moment of it I thought was great. Yeah. I'm still so stuck in the old school wrestling mindset that I was waiting for like at least five minutes of actual combat, right? At the at the tail end of this. Well, um, yeah, I, I I understand that. I I personally didn't have that feeling, but it it's only because, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I mean, what a, my most memorable moment WWE moment was the time that Edge and Lita had sex in a bed. So. <laughs> I'm less old school, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, no, no, I, I didn't. I didn't even miss it so much. Although yeah. it, I, it just, I just expected it, right? Like I just thought that that was all. I thought that they would flash out of whatever world they were in, and then they would just fight in the ring for ten minutes. Yeah, you know, and that, and and Cena would have been beaten down by what he had just gone through. But there was still a fight to come. But that what what we got was incredibly cool. Like it was one of the most well produced and thoughtful wrestling things i could possibly imagine yeah i mean what's cool i felt like the boneyard there there's obviously some differences in 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 the two matches and you know we can i'm sure talk about which one we preferred and blah 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 but the success of the boneyard match made my anticipation and i texted you this for the funhouse match Mm -hmm. through the roof i was literally like this is i've i woke up sunday morning for the first time a long time with an excitement for an event that I haven't really felt in a while, it, it, you know, and may, it, it's only been a, sex in the ring. Yeah, it's, a, it, <laughs> it's only been a few weeks of, of sort of live events being canceled. But um, I was genuinely stoked. And what we got was something that was different enough that that it made me um, so happy. Because I was, I was a little like, I w- are they just gonna? Is it gonna be the same type of deal, just in a different setting? Um, right. And it was so clearly uh, more about the writing um, and the sort of storytelling than anything else in this match to me. Which is why, which is why personally, I probably preferred the funhouse match it's the one that i thought about more i've been thinking about that one a lot more because of the um the sort of psychoanalysis of john cena's entire career um that's like just super intriguing to me and the possibilities of the sort of using this format to tell uh bray wyatt's story moving forward because that was something that i always believed to be sort of a flaw with him as a character was that you know, I mean, I say this because in the Undertaker exists, but I wondered how long could the Fiend storyline really continue? This character who could alter space and time and all of this stuff. I was just sort of like, so is he is he immortal? Like, what what is this? And how long can you really keep that up as a gimmick in the ring in the way that the WWE produces things already? I mean, there's only so many times that you can you know, cut all the lights in an arena and then somebody shows up um, before it kind of gets a little stale, especially when characters like The Undertaker and Kane have already existed. We've already seen it. Um, However, now having this sort of other way to tell stories, I'm just like even more and more intrigued by this character now. Um, And if there were ever to be a fun, fun house match too with Cena and Wyatt like I actually don't care how much that pay-per-view would ever be I would I would buy it immediately I totally agree I I guess again stuck in the old school mindset I wonder if I wonder if you just do I I wonder if it's possible to build a professional wrestling career totally outside the ring like could that be his entire career could he could he do or 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 maybe this maybe it's like maybe it's something like can he spend 11 months out of the year doing pre-taped video packages and matches in this heavily produced you know 
Netherworld, mm-hmm. and then maybe do one big match at WrestleMania that's actually in the ring every. I mean, is it, do you think it's? Do you think fans would can stay interested to see? I mean, I guess you just have to be creative, right? I mean, you can't yeah. just you you can't like rest on your laurels. Yeah, no, I I mean, like I said, I I, I I've I li- I've always liked Bray Wyatt, and I've always liked the Fiend and and what they're doing with it, but. And I've never, I've never been more intrigued by a character and they could, I feel like now they have a mechanism to which they could really, um, build up anticipation for when you do finally see him in the ring. You know what I mean? Like they they could really use it to their advantage in a way that I feel like they, I don't know. I can't, re- I can't recall ever feeling this sort of way about a character now. It's like when he, if he, when now it's like getting to see, a performer live that you know or like a band live that you you've been waiting all year to see or something like that like i i as a a, even even watching it live on on tv like um i feel like they have something now that is so useful to that character um and like you said being creative you know in creating these sort of uh overly produced um pieces of you know, packages or whatever, and being, you know, being able to utilize that to build up anticipation, maybe build up these sort of like hybrid type matches, you know, like, I just feel like they now have, they now have stuff like they didn't reinvent the wheel, but they, they now have something that could really, you know, they could use to sort of uh, build these characters up a little bit more, especially the ones that are like, that are supernatural or whatever. Well, they didn't reinvent the wheel. And Correct. certainly people are going to be, I mean, justifiably going to be talking about, you know, like the stuff Matt Hardy was doing yeah. before he came back to WWE. Now he's gone again, you know, and the New Day stuff. And there's, you know, been some other Wyatt family has been, has done some of these outside of the ring moments. I mean, packages, but they didn't reinvent the wheel, but they're, they did. I think they're, I mean, it sounds so corny. They showed that if you like do a better job, if you, if you actually are really, if you do a really good job, then almost all the traditional complaints fall by the wayside, right? I mean, it's almost like, I mean, it's like wrestling itself. It's like, yeah, wrestling is really corny if it's just like two guys in their underwear like fake punching each other. Yeah. But there's a but there's a version of it that it's just transcendent. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I and I, th- I think you're right. I think they, I think that this, I think that honestly, I think that we're going to look back on this, on WrestleMania 36 as, I mean, either the moment when, there was a, when when this was this this sort of storytelling was really unlocked for WWE anyway, or the moment where they, you know, could have taken that turn and decided not to. But I mean, I but this, but certainly those two matches were the moments worth remembering of the whole of the whole week. Did you right? did you like one over the other more? I mean, I'll say this: I appreciated. I have different parts of my, you know, different parts of my brain or my personality. I appreciated the boneyard match for the same reason that, like, I will never turn off, you know, Die Hard when it comes on. I watched right. it yesterday, by the way. <laughs> I, it's the same reason I like will never turn off a Fast and the Furious movie. Like, like they're they're that's a it's a huge. It's just a thing that I love. And by the way, they they uh, they outdid a lot of that stuff. I mean, the way <laughs> they told a really concise story in a very short amount of time, and it was really very compelling yes. um but yeah i mean i i thought it was for i i hear i guess i guess you kind of got at it for what it was the boneyard match was perfect yeah. and for and and that's not i don't mean that as a slight i mean it was really really perfectly executed well done it was closer to a thing we've seen before um but done in such a good way that i there's there's it's really hard to find any objection to anything that happened in that period and so i my i lean towards that being my favorite of the mm-hmm. two but I mean, my whole, the reason why I love wrestling, if anyone's read anything I've written from the beginning, they'll know this. Or the, not, the, not the reason why I love wrestling. That, that's the, the Boneyard match fits in why a, reason, a lot of the reasons why I, why I love wrestling from way back. You know, that actually reminds me of, I grew up watching Jerry the King Lawler getting to, you know, brawls in the parking lot and getting body slammed onto the, onto the hood of a car and, and that being like really real and really visceral. But why I continued to love wrestling was being, is reading between the lines, is, 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 is like going to a depth and thinking about wrestling that the wrestling itself did not warrant. Right. And for that reason, the Firefly Funhouse was like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I mean, it was, 
everything that I love about wrestling, everything I've written about wrestling, everything I've really engaged with in in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I mean, it's all of that, and it was, but and just so uh, so brilliantly thought out. I mean, it's it was. I don't know. I, I'm I'm going to be. I guess I'll say this. I'm gonna have. I'm definitely going to watch the Boneyard match again and again, just because it's a cool little yeah. mini movie that that is very cool. But I, but in the next over the next week, I'll be watching the Firefly Funhouse mo- match more. Um, I mean, everybody who's listening to this probably knows I do a Westworld podcast too. Yeah. Like the Firefly Funhouse match was like Westworld. Right? It was like you have to watch it 45 times to enjoy it as much as like right. you possibly can. But uh, it's but it but it like it it, it rewards that sort of attention, yeah. and so. It's it's I don't know it's a tie I mean it's it's close to a tie for me. They were like they, but, they were like two different flexes. It was like you know, like I said, the the Saturday night's Boneyard match was was a spectacle. It was it was much more cinematic. It was way way prettier to look at. Like it, it was it was it was it was like watching you know a, an incredibly cinematic movie that you you love. It's like watching. Jurassic Park, you know, there's not a lot of you've seen Jurassic Park, you know what Jurassic Park is, blah, blah, blah. There's no need to like get on Google and and look up the Easter eggs within Jurassic Park, you know, exactly. Um, but but the Funhouse match, the writing was so good, uh, trying to explore the depths of these two really fascinating characters. Um, that's that's like, you know, Clockwork Orange or something where it's like you you want to just think about it and you want to know what every single line meant and what every single cutaway meant and what every single point in 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 the story meant and so for that you know like you said they they were just so completely different that i really have an, a deep appreciation for both i don't even know if i have if i can say i have a favorite i guess the funhouse match is the one i will be thinking about more I, I would say that, um, but yeah, I, I, I and it, it's kept me intrigued, you know, it, it's kept me intrigued in the, in the story behind Boneyard Match is, is a story we've seen before. We just never seen it in that way, you know? Um, all right. Well, I mean, I totally agree. It's, it's, it was, it's kind of amazing. I, I mean, it's it's actually really incredible to come out of a WrestleMania and talk about the contents of a match, which is it sounds sort of silly, yeah. but with the with the with very few exceptions, there I mean there are, there are we see matches that have like incredibly gifted physical I mean athletes telling an incredibly important incredibly like smart physical story in the ring, right? I mean just the sort of like somebody gets beaten down, whatever, and then the, and makes a comeback, and the moves they do like moment by moment are really well thought out. There was a lot of that in like Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens, yeah. but it's rare that like there's that that, you, that we get to go into that kind of detail on a podcast, and certainly not in like the biggest matches of the night. Or these weren't two of the biggest matches of the two nights. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of interesting that it takes getting it out of the actual just the you know this kind of staged combat for us to be able to like really break it down. I guess we're just everyone's more comfortable kind of talking about movies and TV shows <laughs> than 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 fights, but um. I don't know. It just feels it. I was not. I was not prepared. I guess I just wasn't prepared to to be having this sort of conversation. I mean, not of course not knowing what those matches were going to be, but I didn't think I was going to come out of WrestleMania, be, after, especially performance in a WrestleMania, and just just desperate to talk about two of the matches. Uh, yeah, that, and, and that's uh, what made me at the very beginning of this podcast say that there's there's such an appreciation I have for for what they pulled off over the weekend um, because they be, being the only live event, they very easily could have mailed that in and just, you know, but to, to go for it to the links that they, they did uh, as a fan, deeply appreciative. Well, listen, man, I'm going to let you go. Do you, I mean, is there, do you have anything you didn't get in? Do you want to, do you, do you want to talk about either the championship matches or the one championship match they did twice? Not really. <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right we've talked about we've talked about what really matters here. i i, I um, snuck in the the edge lead a thing a couple times so i feel i feel very happy with with this performance yeah. by me <laughs> well they uh, there was an edge they have like an, a, a, a documentary a mini or a documentary thing from the 24 7 series on edge that aired after the show last mm-hmm. night and um and there were a couple of clips of him and lita together and i caught <laughs> you so 
Um, anyway, uh, thank you for doing this. I'm glad that you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I'm really, I'm happy for your input. So thanks. Thank you, Jason Gallagher. Is there anything you want to plug? I always ask people this, but you know, we work together. Is there, do you have any, anything exciting coming up in the, in the, that the video department is doing out of, uh, in, in a quarantine situation? Uh, like, and subscribe our YouTube channel. That's all I got right now. Um, we've, we've, we're you, publishing a lot of our, our podcasts to video and, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's resulting in some pretty fun stuff. You're getting to see Bill within the confines of his, his home, um, talk about redrafting the 2000 NBA draft here shortly. So yeah, stuff like that. Super fun. NBA desktop still going slow news day still going. So subscribe to that channel. I, I know that this WrestleMania was amazing. I know it probably wasn't, probably doesn't make up for not seeing Luka Doncic win his first NBA championship this season. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's always next year. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I will talk to you soon. Bye, David. Thank you to Jason. That was a wonderful first guest for our WrestleMania recap. And now I'm on with the most important guest of all. Some of you may be thinking Vince McMahon, but no. I'm here with Etienne, E.T., my dear, dear son. How you doing, man? Good. First of all, let's just set the stage. This is the first time, well, this isn't the first time you've watched WrestleMania. This is the first time you've talked about WrestleMania with a microphone in front of you, right? True. Uh, how old are you? 11. Uh, how tall are you? Unknown. Uh, how much do you weigh? Um, 90 pounds? Yeah, I'd say it's about right. Okay. Um, we just, we were sitting here in a lovely home in Pennsylvania and we just watched, I will say parts unknown. We just spent two nights watching WrestleMania. We didn't watch every single match. We watched most of the matches. Yeah. Um, first of all, let's just run through the matches before I make you vote on what your favorite was or whatever. Let's just go through everything that we watched. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can, you can tell me if there's something that you want to jump in and say. The first thing we watched on Saturday was. The tag team match, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross against the Kabuki Warriors. Um, you were a big fan of the Kabuki Warriors, right? Mm-hmm. You like Asuka and Kairi Sane? Yeah. Um, what was your, do you enjoy this match overall? It was kind of weird, right? It was the first time we saw like a match with nobody in the audience. Yeah, it was It was like, I saw this and also at kind of every single match, but like there were like so many pauses, just like, and in this corner, blah, blah, blah. And and then just like silence, and and then they're just like waving it at like nothing, and it's just like okay. Yeah, the the ring announcements were very strange because they because they didn't of all the things that they changed up, the announcers when they there was always a pause when they said somebody's name as if they were waiting for someone to cheer. Yeah, it was it was just so awkward. I'm just like, I mean, like maybe you should play like their theme music. Something, I don't know, Some, something in the background. Something to fill the space. Yeah, that was true. And but this was the first match we saw, and it was it was very different. I mean, it was. I don't think anybody knew quite what to expect. Um, but it was a good match. It was fun, right? Yeah, it was. It was. It was a great match. And then that went right into Elias and King Corbin. Who did you think was going to win this? Well, I mean, I did think Elias because oh, he has to get his revenge. He's the good guy, and like it. It wouldn't really make sense if Corbin won because then it'd just be like, oh, Corbin won again. Oh, so it kind of was like uh, instant in the beginning that Elias was gonna win because then that would kind of wrap things up in a good way. Yeah, and you were right. I was skeptical actually. I thought that maybe they would let Corbin win just to balance things out. Um, but yeah, that was it. Was a, it was a good time. I really enjoyed seeing those two people fight. Who? Would you rather be best friends with Corbin or uh, Elias? Tough. Uh, I'm not sure. Who do you think is more handsome? Who, who's more handsome? Elias. Yeah, beards are cool. All right, next was a uh, big time championship match: Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch, the champion. Actually, I think the big, the most intense part of this was probably like the the video package leading up to it right yeah it was just intentious like uh whoa becky lynch and then just suddenly this other girl just comes in just like hi i'm going to bite bite your neck or something i'm just like oh yeah that's pretty serious stuff right yeah 
uh, was it too gory for you when there's blood all over her face? No, because I didn't see an injury on Becky's neck, so I kind of knew that it, the blood was probably fake and like she had like a blood pack somewhere or something. Um, oh yeah, well, I think that's probably a safe bet. Um, but this was a fun match, right? I mean, they both looked really good. I mean, like they both look, were like impressive, right? Yeah. Um, who do you like better, Shayna or Becky? Becky. Yeah, I think I think the crowd is with you on that one, even though there's no crowd to speak of. Um, even though it's only the ref, the camera crew, and the two guys who are saying stuff about the match. The announcer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's one that we both really liked. I think everybody was into this in this house. Intercontinental Championship match. Sami Zayn against Daniel Bryan. Remember, Sami had Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro with him. Daniel Bryan had Drew Gulak at some point. These guys were good, right? Yeah, it like it was actually a really good match. And my mom said this, but I agreed with her that like I kind of like how Sami Zayn his new look, mm-hmm. like the the pants and like shaggy hair. Yeah, I I I like I like this I like this look so much more than um, what his old look used to be like. He was wearing plaid all the time. Yeah, that was just not not cool. He reminds me a lot of Colonel De Beers from the AWA, just in terms of his look and his strut. But I'm not. I would say I was gonna. I would go back and show you that stuff. I think that might be a little bit, a little bit risque for a modern audience. <laughs> I'm not even gonna explain why, but people listening might know. All right, may, maybe we'll watch it later with some with a whole lot of preamble attached to it. Um, uh, is it? Were you disappointed that Daniel Bryan lost? Not really, because I saw, I kind of saw it happening because like. The Leon, I remember his name. Okay, Daniel Bryan. Sorry, but Daniel Bryan, he was, he like came in. I didn't really see him being too prepared, but like Sami Zayn, and I saw it, and like I kind of saw like in a vision, like that he that he was gonna that he is winning. So it, I I I had like an original guess that that Sammy was going to win because it would be good because then it'd be like a good chance to like have an even bigger match after that. Oh, so you think this isn't over between them? No. We're definitely going to see them fighting. I think so, yeah. But, and you think Daniel Bryan will win in the end? Probably. I mean, he is, I guess, the good guy. But yeah. Sami Zayn and the Artist Collective are a lot of fun. We all enjoyed them. Yeah. All right, then came the ladder match, which was... That was very intense. <laughs> yeah. I think it was the first time that I like forgot that we were watching a match with no crowd. Yeah. Cause it was like it was just like insane. It was like it, it was just like hitting people with hammers. At, at one point in the middle of the match, they didn't even care about the belt anymore. They just like were hitting each other with ladders and it was just like it didn't even matter anymore. But then like at the end, I like they all just like climbed up to get it and they were all yanked it. But then um, they um, pushed off John Morrison <laughs> along with the belts. I know. So he was like, it looked like he was going to lose, but somehow he won. Yeah. That was uh, very strange when they, when they were just like holding the empty thing. I was like, wait. What do you, what would you have done if you were like John Morrison? I mean, not John Morrison. If you were Kofi Kingston and you realized that you just helped John Morrison win? I'd be mad at myself. <laughs> um, well, I guess we'll go back to them as like tag teams now after, I mean, hope maybe we'll see what happens tonight and on Thursday or, or Friday. Sorry. Um, but that was, that was definitely up to this point. That was the highlight, right? Yeah. Um, after that was, oh, this one was really good too. Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins in a no DQ match. Oh yeah. Um, that, that was pretty cool. And that was like, very risky of Kevin Owens to go on the top of of the WrestleMania sign and then do a move on him from all the way up there. That was risky. Dude, I thought, I said this when we were watching it, I thought that, I knew we were going to see some big stuff because WrestleMania, you always see people jump off of tall things. True. And Kevin Owens has, like, done it in the past. Like, we know that he can, like, do some crazy moves. Yeah, I just, that was, that was just un, un, unexpected. I thought, like, maybe... Oh, he's gonna jump off like a table or like the the top of the ring to the ground. And it's like, but then it's like, 
all the way up there? Well, and also I thought that they would use the fact that like there wasn't a crowd. They could they were taping it ahead of time. I thought they would use that to their advantage and have like yeah. Maybe they would have extra padding that they could jump onto that you couldn't see. Mm-hmm. But Kevin Owens like it was one shot. He jumped off the top of that sign and threw like a hard table and onto the floor. Yeah, that it it looked painful. It was like the most painful, maybe the most painful thing we saw all weekend. And then the uh, there was the, uni- the Universal Championship match. Braun Strowman replaced Roman Reigns at the last second to fight Goldberg, and he just like beat Goldberg. Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't expect that. I thought like, oh, Goldberg is gonna win this one because like he's starting to not wrestle as much anymore, and now he's just like. Okay, and I thought this would just be like a nice thing, nice, nice way to wrap it up, but I was mistaken. Uh, yeah, he did not get the easy win. Braun Strowman just shocked everybody and like body slammed Goldberg and beat him. Um, you like Braun though? Yeah, I mean, he's he's like one of the tallest in wrestling, and he's probably the most buff. Oh yeah, he's got the biggest. He might have the biggest muscles in the whole company. Yeah, um, and he's got a nice beard too. <laughs> yeah, um, he's he's a pretty nice guy. All things told. Um, all right, so he's your new champion. Do you think he's going to be a good champ? I think there will be one. There will be a match. He's going to fight someone. Braun is going to defend it. And then the next match, he's gonna fight someone for for the champion for that again, and then that 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 person's gonna win. So Braun's only gonna ha- hold onto the belt for like w- two more matches. He's gonna lose in two matches from now. Yeah, I actually think that's probably a pretty good guess. And then the last match of Saturday night, probably the best match of the whole weekend. <laughs> yeah, was the Boneyard match AJ Styles versus the Undertaker in like a graveyard that was kind of like a auto body shop i couldn't quite tell what was going on (laughs) but it was really cool right yeah Uh, you ever seen anything like this no not really kind of more like a movie than a wrestling match right yeah it just kind of seemed like an action movie and like aj was just some like weird daring teen in like one of those movies and then just like the undertaker was just like the badass who came on is like oh so you think you're cool was he like a like Jason Voorhees, or was he like just not, a tough not guy? Vor, not Voorhees, just tough guy. Um, <laughs> and then, so they fought for like, it was a long match, fighting outside. AJ's buddies, the, the, the OC came and helped him, but Undertaker beat them too, beat up some guys, some druids and hoods. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, could anything have stopped the Undertaker, or was he just invincible on Saturday? I don't think... Anything would have stopped like the Undertaker in this. I mean, like when when AJ thought he had him beat and he put him in the in the in the um open grave and then all of a sudden the Undertaker was behind him on the on the um bulldozer. Yeah, that that, that I mean, you kind of can't stop him because I think I think AJ was just like I think AJ just forgot like oh wait I forgot this guy's magic crap. <laughs> I forgot he could teleport. <laughs> I don't think anybody remembered he could teleport. Um, it finally ended up with the Undertaker putting AJ in and then burying him. And the last thing we saw was the Undertaker, AJ's hand coming up from the dirt. Right? Yeah. Wait. I. I. I was just like, wait, how are they gonna bury him? It's like he's gonna suffocate if they do too much. And then I'm just like, oh, they only put like four inches on top of him. I'm just like, oh, okay. That's well, you were worried that AJ, like you know AJ lost. You were worried he was actually gonna get hurt if they dumped a bunch yeah. of dirt on him. Yeah, it's like you they they bury a lot of dirt on you if you die. I know, and it's impossible to get out. Yeah. But it was cool to see his hand like reaching out. Yeah, that was cool. Um sort of like a horror movie. Um. All right. Let us switch over to night two. Well, let's go night one. What was the best match? Even though the fan favorite is Boneyard, I want to go ladder match on this one because it was just like it was like amazing match, and then at the very end, just like I had I had like a big laugh because like oh he just got handed the win. Yeah, it was pretty. That was it. Definitely like went through every kind of emotion. Now listen, we got to see on night two. We missed some of the matches. I got to admit this: to the viewership. We're, we'll go back and rewatch them tonight. But we missed 
the opener. We missed Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. We missed Aleister Black versus Bobby Lashley. Definitely going to rewatch that stuff. Um, we tuned in just in time to see most of Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. Um, although we were, the, the audio wasn't on yet. Do you remember this one at all? Yeah, I saw them like I saw them fighting. It was like mid match. So I couldn't really tell what was going on, and I was like, "Oh, suddenly two guys are fighting. Cool." So then I just like, kind of tuned in, but then like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really pay too much attention to this match because the audio wasn't really. Good. Let me say it one more time. And like the audio and stuff wasn't working. Right. So we just kind of had this on in the background as we were doing something else. Since you didn't see it, um, hold on one second. I'm going to show you Otis's finishing move because I don't think you've ever seen it. And I want you to just tell me what's happening in real time, okay? Here we go. This is Otis right here. The caterpillar elbow drop. Have you seen somebody do the worm before in a dance? Yeah. Is he going to do the worm on him? Oh... <laughs> oh my god, that is amazing. Look, slow motion, slow motion now. Do you think you could do that? <laughs> no, because I can't even dance the worm. You really, but you dance, right? You have to dance in school. You dance all the time. Yes. Do you think you could take that video to your teacher and have him show you how to do the worm? No. Well, maybe someday. Um, let's see, what was next? Oh, next was... Oh. Oh, yes. Well, um, you you just talked about it. Go. I think this was the Tell best. Tell everybody what it was. Um, Edge versus Randy Orton. Uh-huh. Um, I was pretty confused what last man standing match meant. I'm just like, hmm, okay. And then I, I realized that the ref was counting. I'm just like, this is a no disqualification match. What are you talking about? And I'm just like, oh, I realized what it meant. So they just like, after the first, like, minute of it they immediately like left the ring and went into like the training room then it went to the hallway then they went to the meeting room then they went to the storage room and then on a truck yeah um the, we're looking at a picture right now of edge like jumping off of a cage basically under orton on the table <laughs> was there what was i mean was it, it was pretty it was pretty brutal right i mean it was it was like it wasn't like yeah. the fastest match ever but like it looked like these guys were really beating each other up yeah, I mean, if I, like, saw two ordinary dudes doing this, I think, like, oh, these guys have some personal rivalry or something weird. What, both these guys, I don't know if you know this, but both these guys are kind of, like, older for, like, for, for the roster. Like, Edge and Orton are probably about my age. I know Edge, but Orton? Yeah, well, he's been just doing it for a long time. He's younger, but he's, they're, they're both of the uh, older set. So what do you think? Who looks, who, who looks tougher, me or Edge? I'm afraid the answer will offend you. <laughs> no, you can answer it. It's fine. Edge. But who looks better with your shirt off? Edge. Uh, but who has better hair? Hmm, so hard. Edge. Uh, who, but who does your mom like more? You. I really, I just thought you were going to say Edge, and I would have gone with it. That's fine. Um, all right, so would, would you say that was one of your favorite matches of the weekend, or what? I think that came in second in my favorite. After the ladder match? No, ladder match is first, and that, and then um, Boneyard is following this very closely. Wow, okay. That's a good job for Edge and uh, and Randy Orton. Um, then we watched the Street Profits versus Angel Garza and Austin Theory. Yeah, we watched this. Um, it was a pretty good match. Um, I feel like we were distracted during this match, too, though. The Street Profits are, like, my favorites. You, you know that I'm, like, super excited about them. Yeah, you told me about them, but... At the beginning of the match, I just suddenly saw like a street theme thing, and it was like street profits. I was like, "Who are these guys?" Yeah, you haven't really seen them before. We haven't been watching that much lately. I don't even know who Angel Garza and Austin Theory are. No, Austin Theory just appeared out of nowhere like two weeks ago. I mean, he's been in NXT, but most people haven't seen him. Um, yeah, this this is a, this is but all of these guys are. I'll just tell you this right now: when you are sixteen not even that old when you are 15 when we watch wrestlemania together it's like totally possible that like austin theory or angel garza and um one of the street profits 
would be like in the main event for like the main championship. That's that, that's how good all these guys are. Yeah. So, but and you can kind of tell that by watching. Um, next was B fatal five way elimination match. We didn't we didn't catch the elimination right off the bat. That took a minute for, of us both trying to figure out what was yeah. going on. Uh, between uh, Sasha Banks defending the title, I mean Bailey defending the title against Sasha Banks, Naomi, Lacey Evans, and Tamina. Um, just as I was talking, I was just thinking of this match. I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! I I remember. Was this was this night one or night two? Um, um. So this, um, I just saw like a bunch of people getting hit, and then I saw Bailey's intro. I haven't really been keeping up with wrestling, and I haven't. And this is like my I haven't seen like WrestleMania in like a while. So when I saw Bailey, I'm just like. Where are the balloons? Where are the happy signs? You where, where, really, where's the emoji? Now? You were watching with me when she turned heel, but you haven't really watched much since then. So you didn't know that she was that like changed everything about her look. Yeah. It's like suddenly she has like a weird haircut and like her outfit is completely different. But then I was a bit confused because I don't know if this was right. Was it Naomi, Sasha, and Tamina? Well, they were they were like about to unite. Or well, something? they long ago they had a team like years ago. There was a team that was Naomi, Sasha, and Tamina called Team Bad. Very original name. Um, <laughs> but uh, and then and so when they ended up in the ring together, there was a moment where they were like, "Hey, remember we used to be friends? Let's be friends again." Long ago, and then wait, Naomi and Sasha are like cool. Then Tamina's like, "Psych, you thought." Yeah. Did you like Tamina in this match? Yeah, but then, but then, like at, at the very beginning of the match, I just saw like every other person just like look at her and just like start beating her up. Doesn't seem very fair. Yeah, not at all. Um, you got to do what you got to do if you want to get the if you want to get the big person out. Well, that's true. So anyway, at the end of the match, Sasha helped Bailey retain the belt, but then they kind of they they were friends. They're the real friends. But then they at the end of the match, it looked like even though Bailey won, they weren't that they weren't going to be friends. It looked like Sasha was going to try to get the belt. Yeah, it did look like that, but then I didn't see it. I was like, oh. It's weird when they have a WrestleMania match, and it's sort of like the real fun of the part of this match will happen later. Yeah. Um. Then things got weird. Jinx. 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 Uh, we will go episode after this. Um, the Fiend Bray Wyatt versus John Cena in a Firefly Funhouse match. It was, well, how would you describe this? Okay, they kind of made it like a horror movie, but the thing is, I was enjoying it. I was like, oh, this is cool. Firefly Funhouse match, what's this? And then it's like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. It's like reflecting back on John Cena and then like Bray exposing him. But then, but then like the fiend came out and he just like choked John Cena and that was it. You thought there was going to be more? Yeah, I thought, like, maybe, like, oh, John Cena would try to escape, but then, like, he, like, gets to the ring, but it's, like, dim lit, and then the Fiend was in the ring, just like, you thought you could escape me, and then they're good. they would be, like, at least, like, a five-minute or something match, and then, and then like, one of them won. Yeah, I totally agree. I've already said it on this show. I was expecting there to be something. I think we all were. It wasn't just that, like it had to be. I think what we saw was cool, but I think the expectation yeah, it was really cool. They, they they just kind of let me down with the match expectation. But we do we we the one thing we had we we almost forget because of everything that happened after was at the very beginning. John Cena came in to the ring before they went to the Firefly Funhouse. Remember, he did a regular entrance and he kept he was talking, he was acting like there was a crowd there, even though there wasn't. Yeah, but then but then he got interrupted by the Firefly Funhouse intro, and then Bray, Bray Wyatt was like, "Hey," and then he's like, "Oh, a mask of his dead face." <laughs> but wait, I want to talk just for one second because we're about to go to the main event too. Oh, two, the one thing that John Cena and Drew McIntyre had in common was they both acted like the crowd was there, even though it's not. Yeah. Wait, John Cena just like saluting to like a light. Yeah. <laughs> the light is a big John Cena fan. Yeah. The light was wearing merch. <laughs> the light spent a lot of money on that replica belt. All right. So. John Cena lost, I guess, technically the Firefly Funhouse match. And now John Cena, you, you know what John Cena is doing next. The new Fast and Furious. They're making a new one? You know this. We watched this. What number? Seven? 
Fast and the Furious 7? You don't know this? No. Oh, God, I'm a terrible father. He plays, I told you this, he plays Dom Toretto's brother. Uh, does not compute. <laughs> you don't think John Cena and Vin Diesel look like brothers? No way. Wait, hold on, let me take a look. A little bit, but not really. Um, so would you rather see John Cena in a Fast and Furious movie or in a rematch with Bray Wyatt? In a rematch with Bray Wyatt? If it, if it's an actual match, not this weird Firefly Funhouse bullshit. What? <laughs> that was pretty extreme. Uh, I really enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was it was a great. Ma- it was it was like really fun. It's like oh cool, but then it's like no match. Yeah, it didn't seem like there's much of a match. That was just disappointing. Be um, okay. Would you rather if you'd rather see John Cena versus Bray Wyatt in a real match than see John Cena in Fast Seven? Would you? But wouldn't it be fun to see like Vin Diesel go to the Firefly Funhouse? Oh my god, that'd be amazing. And then like, and Bray Wyatt has all these like flashbacks to like when Vin Diesel was fat on the balcony that time. <laughs> Uh, all right, last thing, I, I think, yeah, last thing. Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Um, first of all, we watched a lot of, well, we watched Drew McIntyre's little documentary after WrestleMania last night. But um, going into it, who did, did you, you hadn't seen a lot of Drew McIntyre, but what, do you think he seemed like a cool guy? Yeah, he seemed like a cool guy. I mean, I watched his documentary. I thought it was pretty nice and like heartwarming. Um, and he's also gigantic and muscular. Yes. Um, so when they looked at each other in the ring, Drew McIntyre is actually a little bit taller than Brock. He's kind of jacked up. Did you think Drew McIntyre had a chance? I mean, he had to win. I mean, they put this heartfelt documentary. Oh, I, I mean... I kind of thought anybody who had a documentary that was in the match was going to win. Undertaker had a documentary at like the second night and he won. Drew McIntyre had a documentary, he won. Edge had a documentary, he won. I kind of based it a little bit on that system. Wait, you've told you're blowing my mind. So if you have a documentary, you're like a guaranteed winner? Yeah. I mean that's that's what it showed on there. So unless unless a documentary was like a story of a loser, then it probably means you're going to win. Yeah. Maybe, like, even the story of a loser, maybe. Wow. All right. So, Drew, you think was a shoe? And it certainly did seem, after watching that, watching him talk about, like... It was, like, so quick. It was too quick. Even for, like, Brock Lesnar, that, that was too quick. A lot of Brock's matches are sort of the same, and they're sort of quick, but, like, it did seem like Brock went from, like... Brock said at one point, I could go all night, and then he lasted, like, five more seconds. <laughs> I could go all night. Gets RKO'd and pinned. Um, so Drew then, so like he basically, it was basically the same as the Goldberg match. Like he, so like Drew hit him a couple times. Then Brock Lesnar hit him with like a bunch of suplexes and like three F5s and somehow Drew kicked out and then Drew hit him with like three Claymore kicks and then he won. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. You use You use video game lingo a lot in real life. Is that safe to say? Yeah. Because these are certain things you learn online or whatever that, like, you know, just applies to real life. But would it surprise you to know that, like, when people describe this match, they just they just call it, they just said it was a bunch of spam finishers? Uh, that doesn't surprise me because it actually was just like, I just like three suplexes and then three F fives and then a pin and then he breaks out and then three claymores and then a pin. It's like, oh. It was just so repetitive. This is how, but this is how like you would play in like a video game. Yeah. Um. So it was sort of the video game version of pro wrestling. But you know what? There's a lot of people who only know about video games who probably like it better that way. So all in all, your favorite was your favorite match still the ladder match for the whole night, the whole, the whole weekend. Yes. And number two was Edge, Edge versus Orton. Yes. And then Boneyard. Yes. And then. What? Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. All right, that's a pretty good top four. I'm like, I think I agree with. I don't think I agree with the order, but that might be. I mean, those are definitely f- four of my favorites. Um, any last thoughts? Any big takeaways? Any? Any? Do you? Did you like it being two nights long? Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, 
I, I really think they could have done better on, like, like the padding, like, making it a bit more solid because, like, I heard, like, the like the air when they hit the ground. And, oh, outside the ring? Yeah, outside the ring. I heard the pad. Well, they did. Exp- it was it, it. I mean, everything was just exposed a little bit more. You know, it didn't have the. They, they didn't change up all of the, the 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 surfaces and stuff. But you're right. It felt. It, it just felt different than when they're in a big arena. Yeah, because like it kind of gives it a feel. It's like when somebody when somebody's walking in, they're just like they they like oh yeah, and for like sorry the intros when like the people walk in, they're just like hi hi, and they're like waving to like a pole and it's, and and it's like it, i think it's because like they're not used to like not having a crowd and this is like rare for them cuz they only do this in practice and when they are practicing they pretend that a crowd is there but now that it's actually on TV it looks so weird they only know how they only know one way to do it they've never done this before yeah never uh, but do you think they did a pretty good job for doing a show that like they'd never done before uh, they could have done better. I know it's their first time, but they could have done better. Um, you know what? I was just going to ask how you think you did doing a show for your first time. Do you think you would give yourself the same grade as WWE or better? Same grade. You could have done. You think you could have done better? Yeah. You think you could have practiced more? I mean, you just told me that I can do this at the end. I'm just like, oh, okay. Did you? <laughs> do you, Do you think you'll do better on your next appearance? Hope so. Do you think you're gonna be more jacked in better shape? You're gonna have a better claymore kick? You guys don't know how fit I am. <laughs> That's true. Uh Etienne has the body of a young Drew McIntyre. Not true. Um, thank you, Etienne, for doing this. Happy WrestleMania. Happy quarantine. I hope that you have a I'm gonna be with you for the rest of the day, so I don't know what I'm saying. I hope you have a <laughs> wonderful day. Um, let's go outside and play wolf football. What do you say? Sure thing. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks to Jason. Thanks to Etienne. Thanks to my heel producer, Jim. We will be back here. I think we're going to try to come back later this week and just do a quick like post Monday Night Raw uh, where do we go from here thing. Um, but until then, um, apologies as always to Dean Ambrose. I'm sorry, to John Moxley. We'll see you back here later this week, humanoids. Bye. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 